welcome back to It's Brisbane Personal. How are you guys doing? Welcome to episode eight. And this is a really special episode because we are talking about society's ideal Desi girl. For anyone who's non-South Asian, Desi is basically just another word for South Asian in a weird way. I think it's more a compass with Indian people, but I'm not entirely sure. So can someone let me know? Today, I am joined by one of my friends. Her name is Manveer. And we talk about everything from the pressures that girls face compared to guys, auntie culture, and of course, Indian matchmaking. And if any of you guys have known, Indian matchmaking is a show on Netflix that kind of, it's a new reality dating TV show. And I think it's taken the world, especially the eight South Asian community by storm. The memes are hilarious, honestly. And I just want to say that if you guys are new to this podcast, hi, my podcast is all about love, mindset, and South Asian diaspora. Also, follow me on Instagram if you haven't. It's at Pretty Personal. And if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, it will mean so much to me if you guys can leave a five-star review. It would honestly, honestly help this podcast grow so much. If you haven't listened to all my other episodes, like please do because I've had so much positive feedback on them and I would love for you guys to be part of this community too. So let's get into our very, very relatable conversation. <laughs> Welcome back to another episode of It's Pretty Personal. I have a really special guest today, one of my friends. Her name is Manveer, so I'm going to let Manveer introduce herself. Hi everyone, it's Manveer. Just to let you know a little bit about myself, I'm a pharmacist. Uh, hobbies include bhangra, baking, um, I love reading as well. And I actually met Pretty through bhangra, <laughs> so that's how we know each other. And we've been friends ever since for the past couple of years. And I've recently started a new Instagram page called Bagel Bites. So it's just a bit of kind of food blogging because uh, I've started to enjoy it a lot more. Follow her. I'm going to put her Instagram on in the episode description. So follow her because every single time I see your post, honestly, I'm hungry. I, I don't know what happens, but I see them. I'm like, do you know what? I'm actually, I really want cheesecake now or like the mixed grills that you made. Do you know what the thing is, though? Like when I make all this food... My mom's just like, who's going to eat it? And that's the problem. I try and limit how much I make or I plan my meals out because otherwise we end up having about like four or five cakes in the fridge and it's so, so bad. <laughs> so the premise of today's episode is that we just got talking and we started chatting about what society thinks is the ideal modern Desi girl. And I think there's a lot of expectations on South Asian women to be a certain kind of way. And I think today's episode is all of us us breaking down those expectations and how we feel about them. So before we get into that episode, I think it'll be really nice for the audience to get to know you a little bit better. I'm going to ask you some of these questions. So Ooh, yeah, let's go for it. What is the one thing that you've achieved in 2020? Definitely starting a food page. I played around with the idea for quite a while. At first, it was just going to be a baking page. But I don't know. I think for baking, it was a bit more limited for me. Um, and then I used to do a lot of recipes, just used to make random things. And my friends were like, why don't you do an actual food page? And I thought, mm. and then, then I just started the food page. And I've actually had so much fun doing it. I think definitely having lockdown has helped because I think I had the time to do recipes that I would have never, ever done. Like I would never sit there and decide, oh, you know what, one day I'm just going to make Bernese spring rolls. Like it would have never have happened as well as teaching other people how to make it, I kind of learned more of myself and I've, I've really enjoyed it. I think it's been quite fun. So that's one thing I've definitely like achieved. The next thing that I want to ask is what was your favourite subject in school? Um, 
So I think one subject that I really enjoyed, um, which I started doing in sixth form, was psychology. Just a lot of the stuff that we learned, I found it really fascinating. You know, like they talked about the way the mind works and things like that. And um, even though it's completely different to the career I have now, I think I just find it interesting. And like even linking kind of documentaries to Netflix when they like how to make a murderer, like I find stuff like that really, really interesting. So I thought that was probably one of my favorite subjects. Um, The next one is who's your dream dinner guest? You know what? I was thinking about this when you told me this question and... I, I I don't know. Does it have to be a celebrity or could it just be kind of anyone? I think one person I'd love to have for dinner would be my my nana. I never got to meet him because sadly he like passed away before I was born. But I always hear stories about him. I think I would just love to have him like as a dinner guest and just get to know kind of what he was like because I've heard such great stories. So definitely I'd love to have him as a dinner guest. Oh, I love that. And the final question is, what's one thing that makes you happy? doing Pongra. It, it does make me happy. Um, I mentioned it in an article that I did for Lift Pongra. It was something that like it helps my mental health a lot. Like I suffer from anxiety. So there were times where I was kind of like stressed out with work. And I always found when I used to do Pongra, it was like I just used to form this own little bubble. I used to forget about everything else that kind of stressed me outside of like work and like, social life, everything. I just became kind of encompassed in this little bubble where I just got to dance. And you forget about everything. It's a shame, though, obviously, with COVID, like no bunger at the moment. So I, I do miss it. And I definitely want to get back into it um, for both kind of fitness side and to help with my mental health. But I love love Bhangra. Makes me happy. Yeah, honestly, there's so many benefits of Bhangra, which is like a complete side note. But like in general, I think I've learned so much of myself through Bhangra. It's made me a lot fitter than I used to be when I first started my journey with I feel like I've met the most amazing people through it. Like people that I never, ever thought that I would meet. Oh yeah, definitely. I'm now like friends with. No, like definitely. I think like my closest friends I have made through Bhangra. And you wouldn't think that, like, especially when I was at uni, it makes me laugh. They always just say, oh, your uni friends are going to be like the closest ones that you have and stuff. But definitely, I think through Bhangra, I've met such a range of people. That's probably one of the best things about it. It's just such a nice little community. Definitely. So like I said before, this episode is all about society's ideal desi girl. And I saw this post on Instagram, which really like helped me inspire to do this episode. And I thought you were a really good person because I remember we were on the phone and we we're talking about it. And I was like, do you know what? This will be a great podcast episode. And then I think what that whole post was about was saying how in South Asian culture, girls and guys are definitely, there's different expectations for them. With girls, there's stuff like, a girl should be able to do housework and cook. A girl should not answer back to people nor have an opinion. A girl should be slim and fair-skinned. A girl should be able to get married young or just be, is just there to get married or to serve a man or to just bear children. And like every single time I list these points, it honestly makes me like internally like really annoyed because I'm like, we're so much more than that. Like we're human. We've got careers. We've got hobbies. We're not there to like, just serve another person like that when I think of that it actually sounds very oppressive no definitely like I, I see all these posts on Instagram all the time and that it's very much I want to say that kind of girls are treated differently to boys it could be different in each family but definitely in that kind of idea of a girl is made to 
learn how to cook and all of this stuff. I mean, it's fine. When I went to uni, my mum was always like, oh, you need to learn how to cook. But the reason she used to do that is so that when I do go to uni, I was able to cook for myself. I was able to make food for myself. Like she wanted me to have the basic skills. And I think that's what's more important than saying to a girl, oh, you need to learn every sabji and curry that there is in the world. Like, yeah. I think giving a girl more kind of the encouragement to just know basic skills is better because I think a girl can take that and make it as her own. Definitely, I find sometimes there is a lot more pressure on girls get married early you know and as soon as they get married it's like, okay when are you gonna have kids and it's kind of like you need to you need to give some leeway I think I don't know like obviously you have um a brother yeah so what what is it like for you do you notice a difference I'm like I don't I've only got like two younger sisters in my household so I can't really compare but what is it like for you when you've got a brother do you find there's a difference I think growing up a little bit I think being the oldest and being a girl, you're definitely a guinea pig child that's overprotected. And that's fair enough. Like, obviously, I'm the first child out. My parents have never been parents before. I don't hold it against them. They've done an amazing job and I completely, completely love them. There are certain things in the sense that I pride myself in being independent because I've fought for my independence so much. Yeah. Whilst when someone has that independence already from the get-go because of their gender, they become more dependent because they know they've got it. When you have to fight for something, you hold on to it a lot more. There's an expectation, not generalising, but for certain situations, guys are just expected that the woman would do it. Guys should also know the skills to cook because... Yeah, of course. It's a genuine life skill. The way learning to ride a bike or driving a car is a life skill. Cooking is a life skill. It shouldn't be just a woman who's cooking because do you honestly just want someone to baby you your whole life? That's a scary thought. I live with my two younger sisters and I notice a difference being the oldest child. I get told off for stuff that I haven't even done. And I think it's because I always used to talk to my mom about this. I was like, why is it you always like, tell me to do stuff. Why don't you ever tell them? And she was because I know that I can rely on you. I know you, if I ask you once, you just get it done. She goes, that's why I ask you. And I think it's good to a certain extent, but it's true that you said being the eldest, you are the guinea pig. Like I remember I wasn't allowed to go to town on my own until I was like 16. And then my sister used to go to town and she was like 14. So like the town center and she used to go with her friends. And I was like, what? So there was always a slight limit. And I think If we push the boundaries as older kids, then the youngest get it a little bit easy. I think like being a desi girl, I know some people still have that kind of limit. So I know some parents are probably still strict on their kids. You know, you're not allowed to do this, this, this. I have to say my parents are quite lenient. I'm very lucky in the sense that they're very understanding. They have obviously rules and boundaries, but... They do communicate with me. I communicate with them. And I'm quite grateful that I have that relationship with them. But there are still certain things that as a desi girl, you have to meet. And I think it's just that stigma. I don't know what it is about that stigma. Like you said, to answer back and stuff like that. Again, I think it might be different for families. But generally, like my parents have always told me, you know, don't answer back and make sure you like you respect people. But I don't know if that's just because I'm a girl or whether it's because, you know, they just want me to kind of respect others, which I'm sure it's probably the latter. But that's that's what I've kind of experienced. 
I don't know about you. Have you ever had that? <sighs> Do you know what? Growing up, I was a very, like, I wasn't argumentative, but I had an opinion. I was so passionate about so many things growing up. So whenever there was someone that said something that I didn't 100% agree with, I wanted to say something. I wanted to say it and I'll look at my dad. My dad will look at me and I'll be like, okay, cool, I can't say anything. But you know when someone, this is what really annoyed me, was when someone was blatantly wrong. I think this is something that annoyed, I'm really being very negative in this episode, <laughs> but I'm just saying like, I think as a kid, very annoyed me was, you know, when people think they're right when they're blatantly wrong? Yes. That, I think, is a something a lot of elders do. And I feel like, like as a Desi girl, I can't challenge that. It's weird because at school you're taught to challenge things and be critical thinkers, but it's very hard to apply that skill set in like a family environment where if you do challenge it, you're like, you're being rude. Yes, But I'm definitely. not, I'm just un- understanding where you're coming from and I just want to know your thought process and it's just me being inquisitive. But me being inquisitive comes across as being rude because I'm challenging someone's point. And that's a balance you have to get. I think sometimes because you're a kid, you're kind of just put in a box and labelled and being like, oh, she's a moody kid or she's an opinionated kid or, oh, don't be too opinionated. No one's going to marry you. And I'm like, why are you educating me then? Why are you making me do degrees? Why am I 25 and still studying? A person that's educated will have opinions. That's what we're taught to do. We're taught to be critical thinkers. If you didn't want me to have opinion, don't educate your girl. Obviously, 100% educate your girl. Please educate your girl. I just feel like there's been in certain family situations where I will have a point, but then automatically I'm put into this basket of oh you're just really argumentative just because they don't have a point to back up what they've said it's so funny you say this right because like I've had situations like that I've always been taught you know don't back chat your elders which is fine you know be respectful but like you said there's times where you do want to say something and not in an argumentative way like I'm going to start a fight but in a way I actually I kind of want to make a point on what you've said but it's a case of if you say it then you're classed as moody, as rude. And for some reason, everything always relates back to like you getting married or having a mother-in-law. You know, you say any of the things, it's, oh, are you going to speak like back to your mother-in-law? And I was like, what has that got to do with anything? That's not how... I'm 16 at this time. I know. They just relate everything back to, oh, you know, don't speak out. You can't speak out when you get married or don't do this because you wouldn't be able to do that when you're married. And I was like, okay, but what has any of this got to do with me getting married? And I think that's a big issue that is in a lot of their C culture at the moment. I mean, I've experienced it. I don't know about you, but for some reason, anything you do just gets related back to marriage. And I find it really frustrating sometimes. I'm at the age, right? I'm 24 and everyone's just like, oh, you know, it's time's ticking. And I was like, okay. And inside, like, I actually feel like a ticking time bomb. I'm like, oh my God. I feel petrified, but I find it amusing that 10 years ago, I thought I was going to be married at 25. I genuinely was like, yep, 25, going to be married. I find it hilarious because I'm going to be 25 in September and I'm nowhere near ready to be married. Right now, I don't feel like I'm in a position to be married yet. I'm focusing on my career. I'm focusing on myself. And I think, you know, when you have that pressure where people are like, oh, well, you're 24 now, it's time for you to get married. And you say no. They look at you like, I'm sorry, what? What did you just say? And it's, it's almost like yeah. bad if you say, no, I don't want to get married yet. And then they start kind of questioning why. And I was like, I just don't want to get married. Like, it's simple as 
I find it frightening. Like as a Desi girl, you get scared. You shouldn't be scared to be at this age of 23, 24. You should be excited, you know, new experiences, things to do. But instead, there's always that fear of, oh God, I'm at that age now. Like people are going to start asking. I need to get married. And it's almost like you always have to kind of be ready to have an answer. And if it's not the answer that they want, then it's not going to look good. Definitely. This is like the whole issue when it comes to culture clash is the fact that Indian culture, I think a lot of people have been married very young in their early 20s and stuff. But I think, again, a lot of people didn't go uni at that time. For us, education technically finishes at 22. And also it's the fact that we're British, but we're also Indian and British culture. People don't get married until the late 20s, early 30s. Whilst Indian culture is like extreme Indian culture is getting married in your teens, but Indian culture is being married in your early 20s. There's a massive culture clash. I think the worst thing is I never want to feel like property. And sometimes there have been situations where aunties have come up to my mum and be like, oh, what about Brithi? And I honestly feel like a piece of meat. And it's the most horrible experience that I can ever have. And I feel like I just want to be invisible. And I want to run away and I want to run away crying. Because I feel like I've been brought up in a way that it's very important like to be your own person. And all the experiences and everything that I've overcome to be this person who I'm very proud of being. I think all of that literally goes as soon as an auntie says to my mom, oh, what about Brittany? Is she getting married? It's like my whole life's work is honestly on me getting married because my self-worth to some people is through marriage. I feel like marriage and graduation are very similar. It's a celebration of the journey. And I think a lot of people want the best for their children. Of course they do. But I feel like we need to see marriage as a celebration of a relationship. That wedding day isn't the end goal. But it shouldn't be, oh, you need to get married now just so we can have a wedding. Because that's not right. That's you saying, oh, you need to study not for your career, but for your graduation. That doesn't make any sense to me. So I feel like, again, a lot of girls have been conditioned to think about their wedding day. And like, I haven't thought about my wedding at all. But there's a lot of girls out there that have thought about their wedding, like what dress they're going to wear and what flowers they're going to do and what color scheme they're going to do and I think that's fine if that's what you want to do that's great you do you I just don't think everyone fits into that bucket so it's unfair to put girls in that bucket going back to your point and I think the narrative needs to change I think parents should now even say I think you're ready to date I think you should go on a date that's so much more comfortable don't say marriage because scary Okay, so this is a person that I'm supposed to spend the rest of my life with. Oh, okay. That puts so much pressure, expectations in your head. In this first meeting, Yeah, I was so ready to date and then Corona happened and I was like, damn it. <laughs> You've definitely made a very like valid point there. It's just that idea of marriage isn't just about a wedding day. It's about building your life with someone. Essentially, this is a person you're going to end up like spending the rest of your life with. And that in itself is such a scary thought. But it doesn't have to be scary. But I think when you say to someone, oh, you know, okay, time for you to get married. It's almost like there's grey clouds hanging on you. You're like, oh my God, marriage. But it should be a case of, okay, like you said, it should be you're ready. You know, why don't you go on a date with someone, get to know someone. And I think one thing as well, when it comes to introducing to people, I don't know, obviously, if this has like changed. But back in the day, it was like you meet the person and within a month, two months, that's it. Done deal. That is petrifying. And I think, like, I'm the kind of person, I need to get to know someone before even going down that road. But I think it's sad that 
a lot of girls are basically born with an expiry date. And by that, I mean, if you don't get married by this age, something wrong with you. It should never be like that. That essentially in itself puts so much pressure on girls. And I know girls who are like 27, 28, and they're like, why am I not married? You know, and they start asking, what's wrong with me? This is to all the girls out there who, you know, if you're not married yet, please, please, please don't ever think there's something wrong with you. There really isn't. And it's absolutely fine. And I think that's what we need to encourage rather than saying to them, oh, you're 28. Why aren't you married? Why don't you ask them, okay, you're 28. You know, what's your future aspects? What are you looking to do rather than saying, why aren't you married? And I think having that mentality rather than looking at them like they're expired on a shelf somewhere is so much better. Because one, I think it really affects people's self-worth. Yeah, 100%. When they get to that age, they genuinely start to question thinking, okay, well, everyone's in relationships. Why aren't I? Okay, well, I'm not married now. What's going on? And I think there's nothing wrong with that. And then it's just that whole pressure or if you don't get married at this age and what time you're planning on having kids and everything. That stigmatism needs to stop. I think it's such an unfair pressure and thought to put on a girl. And not even just girls, you know, there's some guys out there that have to go through it too. They're at that age and people are saying to them, why aren't you married? Haven't you found anyone yet? I think let that person discover themselves, let them establish their career, establish their future, rather than saying to them, okay, time's ticking, you need to hurry up. I don't think you should ever kind of pressurize someone into that. You know, a wedding, it's a lifetime commitment. I think that's what they need to understand. Rushing someone into that decision, I think it's just not good for them at all. I think that's one thing that needs to change. 100% it needs to change. And it's not healthy as well. It's mentally straining. I don't understand why people think that there's a biological clock. Like everyone's biological clock is different. Everyone started their period on different ages. No one knows when your biological clock is going to end. So who made this idea that your biological clock stops at 30? Please, like, what? Literally. Like, you don't know that. So it's very, very frustrating as well. But like you said, I really commend people who really stand their ground and don't give in to the pressure. That's a mental strength that they have. And they should be so proud of that. They're staying true to themselves. Don't put that pressure on someone because at the end of the day, you're going to move on with your decision. Like You're like, okay, cool, they're married, whatever. Like it, my, my face is good in society. But that person has to stay with that decision. And when you rush that decision and it ends in a divorce, then they're going to be like, oh, why are they divorced? I told you not to go with that person. I'm like, oh always, I, I said so. And I'm like, when did you say so? And that's this double stigma. If you just at the start said, keep it easy, go on dates, figure it out, take as much time as you need, we might not get to that end extreme. Marriage is something that is very final. It's a legally binding document. It's very final, like you're sworn before God. That's sacred to me. There's a lot of divorce rates now. It's because you're in a legally binding thing. We've also been taught as Indians that divorce isn't an option. So there's a stigma with dating, but there's a stigma with divorce. That doesn't make sense to me, I think. But yeah, I feel like the reason divorce is so high is because couples that want to break up can't break up. Normally, they have to go through a divorce because they solidified their relationship using marriage. It's so true. Yeah, so I'm very passionate about this. <laughs> no, I, I think it's points. It's not a comfortable topic, but I think it's something that definitely needs to be addressed. And I'm so glad that you brought all this stuff up because there will be people that are listening and can completely relate. And I think it's that support for those people. It is very true, that whole stigma of you make them rush the decision. And then there's also that pressure of, well, you're in this marriage now. 
you can't get out of it. How is it going to look on us? And it's just that constant criticism that you're always going to get. And that's something in Desi culture that we face a lot. You will never be perfect in anyone's eyes, right? And no one's perfect. But even the things that you find you're good at will never be good enough for them. It's a very rubbish mentality to have, but people have it. I was kind of referring to uh, this program on Netflix. I think me and you spoke about it. Indian matchmaking and it was just funny because I've been watching it this week I thought I'd just give it a try and it relates to a lot of what we're saying I mean I don't know the criteria and stuff I was like this is crazy you know about how picky they were about the height I don't know about you but I watched it I wasn't really keen in some aspects some of it was a bit negative and I was quite surprised at how picky they were I don't know whether it's because they've spent so long looking for someone or, or what it is but it was more like a tick box exercise rather than you know what I want to meet someone that I get along well with no it was like if this person isn't this height doesn't look like this I don't want to know and that again puts pressure on a kid that's true like to that point I think like when pe- more people get involved and you know there's always that saying that too many cooks in the kitchen ruin the dish I think everyone internally has their own criteria of what they want in a person But when you add other people's own criteria on top, it limits the searching fields like even more, even more, even more. I I know, yes, you need to find one person, but one person that's on paper that you think is right for you might actually not be right for you. Yes, looks are a thing. I'm like 100% if anyone's like, oh, I don't think looks are a thing. Looks are a thing, but they're only part of the thing. Like you need to find someone good looking to be attracted to them, but it's the personality that retains them. Yeah, I actually was writing down notes while I was watching it because I was like, do you know what? I'm going to forget it. Yeah, I think the criteria, some of it was very superficial. Like you want it to be fair, slim, trim. And it kind of brought up all these issues that is very predominant in Indian culture. You're supposed to be a certain size. You're supposed to be a certain skin color. The one thing that really annoyed me, especially when she was doing the Indian matchmaking, they want them to be educated, but then they want them to be a housewife. And I'm like, but why do you educate them so much just to be a housewife? And that's another thing in Indian culture. It's not with everyone. Like, we're probably way past it. Yeah, no, no, not with everyone. Like, this is an extreme. Yeah, this is like to the extreme. But yeah, it's true. It's kind of just that idea of a girl is raised just to serve. I was thinking about it. And I know they say when... Two people get married. You're not just marrying the person, you're marrying the family. I don't know if you've heard that term. And I get that that to a certain extent. I think when you have a daughter-in-law come in to the family, you've got to remember she is someone's daughter at the end of the day. And if you have a daughter of your own and you're going to treat your daughter-in-law and your daughter different to each other, how does that work? You wouldn't like it if your daughter was treated differently when she gets married. So have that same respect for a daughter-in-law. And like, I don't know anyone listening if they, we're not causing any offense or anything, but it's just things that I've seen. It was a meme as well. I say a meme. It was something that I read on Instagram. I just found it really ironic. I was like, wow, I've never thought of it like this, but it's so true. They said that, why is it some Indian parents are happy to have their daughter come and visit them loads of time but when their daughter-in-law wants to go out to visit someone it's not okay and I read that and I was like wow like it's a very powerful statement but it is true the term daughter-in-law shouldn't mean anything different to a daughter yes it's daughter-in-law but she's still a daughter to you you know if you 
are willing to treat your own daughter well, you should treat someone else's daughter well. Someone that's come into your family and she sees you as her parents, then you should have that same treatment and respect for her as you would your own daughter. And that goes for sons as well, like son-in-laws and everything like that. It applies to them too. And I think sometimes it's, it's just that phrase, daughter-in-law. It's almost like it's got its own little stigma attached to it. <laughs> I don't know why, but I just feel like there's this stigma of daughter-in-law because I think a lot of people do watch Indian dramas. I know I did growing up, but there was always beef between the mother-in-law and the daughter-in-law. Daughter-in-law, yeah. Yeah, and it's always like the daughter-in-law is always portrayed as being problematic. You can't speak out. Yeah, and that's not the case at all. Like you said, it's very important. You should treat them like your daughter. Talking about Indian matchmaker, I was very hesitant to watch this show. And then I was speaking to you about it and I was like, do you know what? I'm just going to give it a show because I was like, I can't be naive and not watch it. Like, I need to give it a chance. So I did. And at the start, I was actually really into it. Like the first couple of episodes, this is going to be spoilers for this show, but I don't know if you got to the part about Akshay's mum and her criteria. I've just reached that bit, <laughs> but... I was watching her criteria and I was like, what on earth? And it was very specific. It was frightening. Like I looked at that and I was like, oh my God. And even I think the way he was speaking, he was like, I want someone to be exactly like my mum. I was like, okay, fair enough. Your mum's probably got great qualities. But you can tell that that marriage wasn't for him. It was for his mum to find a daughter-in-law. And that's the big difference there. Also, the thing that really annoyed me was that it was like she was online shopping for this perfect bride. She was like, I want this. I was like, all the filters, I was like, this woman's literally going through ASOS, but for like brides. Um, (laughs) I don't know why that analogy came into my head, but that is a horrible feeling to feel that a woman is just like a listing. That's not nice. They're a human. They have feelings. They're like exactly like you. But also the thing that really annoyed me was the fact that she made the marriage out like a business deal that needs to be finalized with this time frame. I don't think that's fair because you're playing with someone's happiness. I think a lot of times they were very superficial. They rejected people. Oh, she's not the right color for me or she's not the right. She hasn't got the right nose for me or just something stupid like that. Do you know what I mean? And it's just criteria like that where I think it it gets a bit much, you know, the skin complexion is a big, I want to say issue. It's more a big stigma in Desi culture. Again, I'm not saying that this is how it is now. Um, Times have changed. People are moving forward which is great to see, but it's kind of that idea of the more fair-skinned you are, the better you look. And I had experiences with it as a child. When I was younger, I went on holiday to Dubai, spent ages in the sun, and I tanned quite a bit. And when I came back, I had like a lot of comments of like, oh, you you know, you look dark. And I was like, oh, okay. Like, what does that mean to my 11-year-old self at the time? And I actually started using Fair and Lovely. I started using it for months because I, oh I hated my complexion. I hated the way I looked. I was like, I want to look fair skinned. You know, why do I look like this? I've just tanned on holiday. Why do I look like this? Obviously, I stopped using it. And looking back on it now, I was like, wow, I can't believe that actually happened. But having my own experience with it, it is a thing. And essentially, you're criticizing a person for the amount of melanin they have. Realistically, that's what you're doing. You know, we should be proud of our colour. and But I think to certain people, they may think that it's not a good thing to look like that. Again, that puts a lot of pressure on people. It was like that in Indian matchmaking. I think one of the guys was like, oh, I want a girl who looks like a model. And I was like, what does that even mean? 
That's really horrible to someone who you don't think looks like a model, but she may have an amazing personality, but he's going to reject her just because she doesn't look appealing to him. He made it sound like he just wanted the trophy wife, like he's someone to flaunt around. But I just feel like a lot of the views that they had on that show were a lot outdated for me personally. I don't know how you feel about you. Some parts of Indian culture in a very negative light, but I think it was important because definitely we need to talk about this. And as soon as we talk about it and we raise an awareness of it, we can start making that change. That one person could talk to another person that could talk to another person. It all starts with a small change. I think, like you said, their portrayal, I found it to be negative. Like you said, I looked at it, I was like, oh, okay. There was a big cultural difference. Again, maybe they were being a bit more, I want to say picky, because they've met other people and they realise those people aren't for them, so they want to find someone. But I think it's just that idea of, oh, I want someone perfect. But I think in Indian matchmaking in the programme, it was almost like if there was one thing that wasn't ticked on their checklist, it's an absolute no. I think it's not always like that. It's more about meeting the person and getting to know them. It's like if you go to weddings, you know, sometimes you go to like a wedding party, you're dressed up, you're doing your own thing. You have these aunties staring at you. It is frightening because you're like, okay, why are you looking at oh me? Oh my God. It's horrible. And it's like you're on display. It's yes. like you're on display. Oh my God. And I hate it. Oh my God. Honestly, I feel like, I don't know what the analogy is, but I honestly feel like I'm on display. when I'm just here to have fun. Yeah, leave me alone. I think that, again, as well, is what makes people uncomfortable too. It's like you're going to go to a wedding and you never know who's looking at you, but who's looking at you for marriage thinking, okay, she might be nice for my son. But you don't know me. You exactly. don't know what I'm like, though. I might have different aspirations and different goals to your son. I think the intention is there. Like, don't get me wrong, the intention is there. It's just the execution of it that I feel like needs to be carried out in a better way. The intention is obviously they want the kids to get married. They want the kids to be happy, in quotation marks, because you're not always happy in a relationship. There's ups and downs. It's just the way they execute it, I feel like needs to change. In Indian culture, I think there should be more of a narrative about what the girl wants as well, especially us being girls and we've been raised in a way to be independent. I don't want anyone to ever take my independence away. I like that because for me right now, I think I'm focusing on like my career aspects. Yeah, same. And marriage is something that's like years down the line. It's not even like my first thought. My first thought is working, being good at my job. Like I've worked five years to get to my career. So I want to be good at my job. Um, I want to be able to kind of help my patients. So that's my kind of prime goal at the moment. But other people, they're like, oh, okay, you're 24 now. So what else is there left to do than get married? And I'm like, no, 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 I'm not ready to get married yet. There's so much more to life than that at the moment. It's funny you say this because I am one of those girls. I look at like wedding outfits. I'm like, this would be nice. I'd love to wear this. But it's more kind of like I just like looking at them and thinking like it looks really nice. But deep down, if I was to plan my wedding right now, I'd be absolutely petrified. But that's just me. Um, And I think one thing they need to understand is every girl is at a different stage in their life. Some people are still working on their career. Some people are still training to be, you know, a certain career. Professional, yeah. Yeah, a certain professional. So I think you need to let a person kind of blossom in their own way before putting them in that category as such. The same applies for guys as well. Yeah, I feel like for guys and girls, I think, 
there is an intuition that everyone has and people do know when they are ready. But everyone has this checklist or this goals list in their head as well of what they want to do, what they want to achieve. We don't share it with everybody just because that's very personal and private to us. So I think when a person is ready, they will tell you they're ready. Like, don't worry, auntie. Like, I will tell you. You don't need to make decisions for me. But like, a lot of people do want a companion in life. I think that's very natural. Everyone's on their own trajectory, like, as in everyone's on their own different path. So you can't compare one person to another person, which is another thing I actually want to get into is the competitiveness in Indian culture. And I feel like from a very young age, we've all been taught to be super competitive, whether that be marks, that be grades, getting into the best school. We're always compared to someone else. And I think what we need to realize is that we're amazing in our own ways. And what one person has, another person might not have. And that's fine. And that's okay. But I think what we're conditioned to do is be in competition with one another. I think that's when the age thing stems from because you're like, oh, this person's got married at 28. You need to get married at 28 so that you can have kids. One person can be married at 32 and have a kid a year after, whilst one person can be married at 20 and have a kid 10 years from now. There is no race. And I feel like I just really want to get that out there, that there is no race in this life, that it will happen when you're open to it to happen and when it's right for you. It's nice that everyone can be on their own path. Like, it's nice that, you know, your friend could get married and you get married two years later. Can you imagine we all get married at the same time? You'd have a wedding a month after each other. There'd be no break. <laughs> Dude, <laughs> it'd be too many bhangra routines. We'd end up having to use the same one for <laughs> each wedding. Do you know what? My bhangra fitness will be amazing, though. I'll be like, by the last wedding, I'll be comp ready. But I think it's nice that we can be at different stages in life. I'm glad you picked up on the point of kind of the comparison. It is a big thing. And it's not even just about comparing kind of what stage of life. It gets to the point when you're comparing like, well, this person had this at their wedding. I need to have it at my wedding. And I think weddings these days have become a big show sometimes. Oh my God, a spectacle. It's, it's lovely to have a wedding that's yours, a wedding that's personal. And I think it's great. Make your wedding how you want it to be. But I think it's sad that you put in so much effort to wedding and there'll still be people making comments like the food wasn't nice, the food was cold, you know, this took ages to come out, what was she wearing? It's that criticism that's always going to be there. No matter what you do, you're going to be criticised for something. I think rather than that criticism, you should encourage people. Well done on doing such a nice ceremony. It was really nice to see this family member after so long rather than saying, oh, well, the food was cold. Maybe it took time because there were so many people there at the wedding, but appreciate the fact that the family is able to feed all these guests, that they're able to provide food for you. And I think that's a big thing we need to look at too. The whole comparison thing is, is something I've seen for a long time. And even just kind of criticism, there's constructive criticism and then there's just like outright blatant, no. And, you know, again, even criticizing Indian kids on how they look, which is something that's common all the time. I went through a phase where I lost a lot of weight and I went from hearing comments of, you know, you've gained a bit of weight or, you know, you're growing another double chin to you look too skinny. You look weak. Gumzord is the phrase they like to use. I don't know if you've heard of that. It basically just means you look weak. And I keep hearing comments of um, 
you don't look yourself. That weight doesn't suit you. And I was like, I'm sorry, when was my weight a look? When was it a thing? It doesn't suit me. And that's another thing. As much as I understand that people say it because they care about you, it does get to me sometimes because I think, well, one minute you're telling me I used to look fat and then you're telling me that I look weak. There's no in between. And right now I'm actually happy how I am. I've started to eat a lot more healthier. I've actually started to look after myself, which was something I never used to do. But that is something that doesn't exist in Indian culture. Like, it's not a thing for you to eat healthy. Like, eating healthy is, you know, eating alu broti on a Sunday. That's eating healthy. I think that, again, is something that we need to be a bit more wary about. Another stigmatism is just comments like that. I get it, you say it because you care, but sometimes... When it comes across like that to a person, they start to feel very self-conscious. I used to start to feel self-conscious and I kept looking at my weight, thinking, well, one minute I didn't like the way I looked. Now I'm being told I look too skinny. How am I meant to look? I don't know if you've ever had that kind of situation happen to you. Mine's the complete opposite. I do agree. I think especially at a young age, being criticized for your weight, it makes you very self-conscious, especially when you don't know who you are yet. You let that define yourself. I think growing up, I've always been a big baby. I've always been chubbier. I've never been a skinny person, so to speak, especially growing around in the 2000s where being stick thin was all you saw on TV. I was always chubbier and I always used to get comments about, oh, you're fat or you need to start losing weight. I used to sometimes go up to my room and cry because I was like, oh my god I'm not pretty enough or I'm not beautiful enough because I'm overweight but then I really struggled with my relationship with food because I wouldn't eat that much but then the way my body is it will store fat so I wasn't eating much but I was getting bigger but then I was like oh well, why am I not losing weight and it's only very recently that when I've had a nutritionist that I've had a very good relationship with food now and I think that People might say the comment, but they'll say the comment and they forget it. What you're saying to that person, especially when it's an insecurity that they know is an insecurity, you showing that insecurity is you slashing that wound even deeper. And I think some people don't realize the impact that their words can do. But there are people in my family, like aunties and stuff that have said, oh, you're like, you need to lose weight. Like, it's time for you to lose weight. Not knowing what I go through, like not knowing the backstory about me. But also now is those aunties are like, oh, yeah, you're good. You're a good weight now. And I'm like, like, there is a good weight or a bad weight. There's no such thing. The reason I did my health journey was because I wanted to change. It wasn't your comments. It was me. And I think that's something that we also need to say is that you saying something to me is going to hurt me more than motivate me to do something. You only want to change when you want to change. And I think that's a very important thing that people need to realize. And this is the other thing that I feel that really annoys me about auntie culture. And this is the generalization is the fact that they feel like they can say what they want to say because of this whole thing that we spoke about earlier when no one chats shit back to them. Is that they can get away with it because they're older, so they demand respect. But you demanding respect for something that's negative and horrible shows a lot about you more than it says about me. Like you said, in one ear out of the other, I think a lot of Indian kids have now just been conditioned and learned just to put it in one ear and take it out of the other. And they're not your family. I think it's like people in your community that say things a lot more because they're not attached. So they feel like they can. 
fair enough everyone's entitled to their own opinion but when your opinion starts to hurt someone else or diminish someone else's mental health just be wary about what you say because your words can stick this whole thing about auntie culture like it's such a funny phrase but it's so true and (laughs) you hear so many things and you just have to brush it off your shoulder and it's not something that you should even like you said you shouldn't even have to do that in the first place You shouldn't have to sit there and listen to, you know, how your eyebrows don't look good. (laughs) Like, Andy, I want my eyebrows to look like this. They'll look like this. But again, it's that idea of you have to look a certain way so you will get a rishta. And that's a lot of pressure. One thing I noticed with auntie culture, I don't know if you ever have this or I don't know if any of your listeners, like if you can relate to this, please let us know because I find this hilarious and I want to know if anyone else actually has this. Where at a young age, if you used to do something nice for someone, like an auntie, so you like take her dishes to the sink, wash them for her or something, she would like put her hand on you and bless you and say, oh, thank you. May God bless you with a nice husband. As a 14-year-old, you just kind of in out the ear and out the other and then um, it happened to me many months ago when I dropped one of my nanny's friends off home and the first thing she said was oh um I hope God like gives you a nice husband and I sat there and I was like what why is she wishing that for me and again it's automatically everything I do relates back to me finding a great husband and I just thought why not you know, wish upon someone, I wish you good health, or I wish you like a great future, a successful future, a good career. Because that's what I think is important now. Not just, oh, you've done something great for me. So may God bless you with a fantastic husband. And especially at like the age of 14. What difference does that make at someone at 14? I think you can't date anyway. So what's the point? Yeah, literally, like, it just doesn't work. And again, it's just little comments that you have to hear like that. And I only kind of thought about this when that happened to me. I never used to think about it. And then when that happened to me, it just dawned on me. I was like, wait, hold on. What has a husband got to do with any of this? I just dropped you off home. Why, why do you have to find a nice husband? I think nowadays, I don't know where I read it on Instagram. I think it was on your Instagram where you were saying who pays on like a first date. And it, it is just that idea of when a person gets married, Is it just that the girl is at home and she cooks and cleans and the man has to be out there having a career? And I think even that in itself is quite a lot of pressure to put on a man that you have to be the breadwinner in the house. It's not just girls that have to sit there and be pressurised into being the perfect housewife. Telling a guy, oh, you need to be there, you need to financially support your wife and your kids, it's a big thing. For me, I would want to be in a situation where both me and my husband are financially supporting each other. 100%. Rather than putting that pressure on him and then me also having the pressure of being at home and constantly cooking and cleaning. I don't think it should be like that at all. I think, you know what, if my husband wants to cook, let him cook. By all means, go for it, cook. If I want to be out there and I want to work, then that's fine as well. I just feel like the gender roles have definitely changed and I feel like in a relationship now you are a lot more equal. In the sense that we're both educated, we'll both we'll probably be working. Uh, there might be a night where I come back later. I would like to think that my husband can cook for me and like make dinner for us instead of me coming back and doing a whole nother job when he just puts his feet up for like three hours and I'm exhausted. From what I've seen, there is a balance and that's really nice and reassuring actually to feel like this gender expectation is slowly shifting. 
it's heading in the right direction, but there are big steps that still need to be taken. But I guess you can't change kind of the way the elderly people think. They, again, they were brought up in a different situation to us. They were brought up to get married really young and look after their husband. And I think it's lovely. Like I see my baby and she's always like looking after my granddad and always like making sure he's fed and stuff. And it's so nice to see that there's so much love there that they have. And they're always willing to look after each other. And that's lovely to see. But at the same time, I think, like you said, a lot of people are more career based now. And it is a different situation to how we were back in the day. And it's always going to change. Goes to show it might change whenever I have kids or you have kids. The situation might be completely different. We just don't know. 100%. Yeah. And I think it's more of a case of being open minded and being willing to change with it rather than being stuck in your ways you have to kind of move with the times there's there is a give or take i guess there'll be certain stuff that let's say whenever my kids grow up there'll be certain things that i believe in that they might not believe in but it's being able to actually understand each other yes i think that's so important and like you said i think i completely agree i think in the next 10 years it's going to be completely different to what it is now that's okay that that's interesting I'm glad that it's going in that direction and we're all getting more modern one thing that you said that was the fact that I feel like the older generation has to a degree Mm. adapted to the times as well we are as girls given more freedom that we can go holidays this that and the other like 20 years ago none of my cousins could say that they went traveling to Thailand for two months so we are getting there like slowly slowly we are getting there and that's the positive that I want to end this conversation on i think like to add just a kind of a point to that is for anyone that feels that they're in a position where they feel like they haven't got someone or they're pressured a lot or they get criticized a lot please don't ever put yourself down or think that you are failing at life because you're really not like applaud yourself for doing what you want to do for going for that career that you wanted to go for really applaud yourself because like Ridley said, many years ago, a lot of people wouldn't be in that position to be able to go to uni and get the jobs that they want to do or, you know, move away for your job. And I think if you're doing that, that is really good on you and completely applaud yourself because we are the kind of definitive gen- generation I want to see because we're midway between our parents and obviously our kids. So we're the generation I feel that will make the most change, if anything. So if you are able to do that, by all means, go for it. But don't ever like put yourself down or feel that, oh, my God, I'm not married at like 28 or, you know, this auntie keeps calling me this, that I am that. That is definitely not you. And just make sure that you stick to your guns, but just be true to yourself, really. It's something that I just want to make sure people do. People are doing so well. And it's really nice like to see my friends like excel at their careers and things like that. I think that in itself is a very definitive moment, again, for our generation. So I'm quite proud of that. I'm quite proud to be a part of this generation, to see the changes that we've made and the changes that we will bring as well. I think that is exciting. Like I'm very looking forward to that. And I think a lot of people listening can relate to a lot that we have said. I would love to hear anyone who's listening's thoughts as well and whether or not you've ever dealt with auntie culture. And how was auntie culture for you? I'm so interested. I love hearing people's stories. 
So I want to finish this episode off with a little quick fire round because we know that you have a food page. So I thought I'd do a quick fire of food related questions. Are you ready? I am, if I can think off the bat. (laughs) (laughs) So the first question is, what is your favourite recipe to cook? Would that be a sweet dish or savoury? Anything you want. Um, Oh my God, that's a really hard one. Uh, (laughs) Something that I love to cook, definitely cake. I'm still trying to master cake. Basically, when I bake my cakes, they either come out really well or they just come out in a crumble. And I'm still trying to master that perfect cake recipe. We're getting there. We are getting there. But I think having a good cake, I I love I love baking. it. You can make it into what you want. The next one is, do you have a favorite cuisine? I like Italian food. I also like Wagamama's style, Japanese, like Chinese food. I, I love that. I think it's really, really tasty. I love cooking it as well. Yeah, I'm just going to add mine just because I feel, I feel like it. I think mine's Mexican or Thai. I really like Thai food as well. Starters or dessert? Uh, dessert, 100%. 100% dessert. <laughs> what is your favourite flavour of ice cream? I love chocolate fudge brownie by Ben & Jerry's. Do you have a go-to Krispy Kreme donut? They released a cookies and cream one. Love that, but I think my go-to has to be the Nutella one. So good. See, this is controversial, but I love custard donuts. So oh, is, is that like the chocolate custard or like the actual custard? So Krispy Kreme do one with custard in the inside with chocolate on the top. It is like my favourite donut. Like, I love that one. I'm not, a, I'm not a jam person. I'm definitely a custard person. Their original glazed one as well is amazing. Oh, yeah, that is. Definitely a good, like, go-to. And the final question is rate these biscuits. So Jammy Dodgers, Jaffa Cakes digestives crusted creams and ginger nuts oh okay um ginger nuts last they're all right like i'll have them but you know if you gave me a selection of biscuits i wouldn't go for them first so ginger nuts would be fifth fourth would be oh i'm tied between jammy dodgers and custard creams i would say jammy dodgers i think it's a bit too much biscuit for me uh the third one custard creams Second one, Jaffa Cakes, and first one, Digestives. Love a good digestive. Oh, good. Thank you so much, Manbir, for coming on my podcast. Love this conversation that we had. I think it's the first time that I've actually spoken about these issues, and I think it's nice to just talk about them with you. Thank you for having me. I absolutely loved it. It's my first ever podcast, so I hope I did well. <laughs> um, you did amazing. Thank you so much. It's it really good. And it's nice to kind of come out onto this platform and be able to speak about these things. They are I want to say controversial things. They are controversial in the sense that so many people have different opinions on them. So we haven't come out here to offend anyone. It's just more to speak about what we've seen in our own experiences and more about just being able for people to relate to us, Mm. to sit there and listen and think, oh, my God, I'm so glad that I'm not the only person that's gone through this. And obviously, like, you know, your podcast, love listening to it. (laughs) So many things that are relatable. So... It's definitely a nice, easy listening podcast. I love it. Absolutely love it. So carry on listening to her. She's so good. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. So that was the end of our conversation. I would love to hear your thoughts on it. Did you relate to any of it? Or what was your thoughts on Indian matchmaking as well? Honestly, when I'm recording this intro, and it's probably two days before I'm going to put this podcast out, I've actually just come back from a family gathering and there was an uncle there that literally asked me in front of everybody, honestly cornered me to the side and be like, so when are you getting married? 
And every single emotion that I described in that episode honestly came back. And we need to change that narrative. I don't want people just asking me when I'm getting married. Like I have a voice, clearly have a voice with my podcast. So I will tell you when I'm ready. I really, really want to preach that. And I want it tattooed somewhere to be like, I will tell you when I am ready. Leave me alone. Uh, (laughs) But yeah, I just want to say that I think this is a pressure we all feel every single time we're in a family gathering. And I just want to let you guys know that you're honestly not alone because it honestly just happened to me today. If you enjoyed the episode, please don't forget to subscribe to this podcast and also leave it a review if you're listening on Apple Podcasts. And I think that is it for this week. Bye.